My name is Benjamin Pace, and you're listening to the No Content Podcast. And if you happen to be a duck listening to this, you're in a safe space. Welcome to the No Content Podcast. My name is Benjamin Pace. Um, I appreciate uh, you listening to this podcast and clicking play today. Uh, I know the quality of the audio has been a little bit different the past few podcasts. And as I mentioned in the first podcast I did this month, um, you know, we're kind of quote unquote remodeling, (laughs) so to speak. Um, Actually, the studio that I normally use for my podcast, there's some remodeling and stuff going on. And in the church. And so, uh, the past few weeks I've been recording these at home. And so the quality hasn't been as high as it normally is, but for those of you that have continued to listen and stay hooked, I appreciate that. Um, I'm believing to be able to get back into that soon and, uh, have the audio be a good quality, but I've mentioned this before. Um, we want to do things with excellence. We want to do things to the best of our ability in such a way that Um, honors the Lord. But if we're not able to do things at a certain level, we never want to let that stop us from doing things. We never want to let that stop us from doing what the Lord has called us to do. And so, you know, I enjoy being in a studio where the quality is good and I can hear myself and it's awesome. But, you know, if I have to, then I will order mics on Amazon and record these podcasts in my uh, study room, office slash laundry room. (laughs) And, you know, I'm not going to let that stop me from recording podcasts and putting them out there. And so I appreciate every listener that has continued to listen and stay hooked. But, uh, we've been talking about the year of the open door. I believe the Lord put on my heart that 2024 would be the year of the open door. And we've been digging into that both in the normal podcasts and in the Verity Vitamin segments on Thursdays. And we've been talking about giving access to God and the access that God gives to us. Walking through the open doors that God has opened to us and opening doors to God in our life. And what we've been talking about is how those things are not automatic. It is not automatic that we will go through the doors that God has opened to us. He said in Revelations, I have put before you an open door. I have set before you an open door. But, you know, we have to, by faith, walk through that open door. We have to not draw back in unbelief to the open door that God has set before us. And also, opening doors to God in our life God having access to our life is not automatic. We have to be intentional about opening the door to God. The Bible talks about in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Well, what does that mean? That means if you open the door, (laughs) he'll direct your path. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. If any man opens to me, I'll come in. And a lot of people want to know where was God when this happened? Where was God when that happened? Honey, he may have been. He may have been knocking on the door. He may have been just outside knocking on the door, asking you to let him in. But I'm not directing that towards you specifically. You understand I'm speaking that generally. But a lot of people would say that. And yet Jesus was outside knocking on the door and they never did open it. And yet they want to know where was God when this happened? Where was God when that happened? Because God doesn't automatically have access in our life. And he gives us a free will. And if we don't want him involved in our life, he won't be. And it's easy to say, oh, yeah, I want God involved in my life. But we have to understand that 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 includes us submitting to him and submitting to his lordship and denying our will and seeking his will. And so everything in this life is a result of what we give access to. And that's not to say if, if something came against you or an attack came against you or something like that, then that automatically means you're, you're in some kind of sin or something wrong. No, we live in a fallen world. We live in a cursed world and stuff happens. 
But if you'll give God access into your life, he'll enable you to overcome it. He will empower you to stand against it. He will empower you just like with David. You know, David experienced that that time when the the people came and, and burned down Ziklag and took all his wives and children. Well, God didn't do that. But when he inquired of the Lord, God said, go and I will enable you to recover all of it. You know, so David acknowledged the Lord and the Lord directed his path about how to respond to the attack. We live in a fallen world. Stuff comes against us. But if we'll acknowledge the Lord, he'll help us. He'll, he'll empower us to overcome and to recover things. And so that's what we've been talking about, access, and how it's not automatic. But another side of this that I think is a perfect way to kind of cap this off, this open door series that we've been on, and it's just as important to talk about, is another door that is not shut automatically. We've been talking about open doors, but I, I want to talk today about shutting the doors. I want to talk about how it's not automatic that the doors to the enemy are shut in our life. We've talked about opening the door to God. We've talked about God opening doors for us. Now let's talk about, for a few minutes, shutting the doors to the enemy in our life. Look at this in Ephesians 4, verse 22. He said that you put off concerning the former lifestyle or conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You know, something I saw somebody post this the other day, and it was a quote from Brother Kenneth Hagin, and it said that your mind does not stay renewed any more than your hair stays cold. <laughs> I thought that was really good. Your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays cold. Well, listen, I can tell you right now, I'm, I'm recording this at 5.57 a.m. in the morning, and, and my hair ain't combed, <laughs> and my, my hair is barely combed at, at 5.57 p.m., you understand? But, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not one of those people that, like, styles my hair a lot. My wife's helping me with that. But um, it, your hair doesn't just stay combed. Well, you got to constantly be renewing your mind and be intentional about not being conformed to this world. Uh, Romans 12 talks about don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I guess what I am, I'm emphasizing in a lot of things is that there are so many things that are not automatic in our life that we would think are automatic because we're a Christian, because we've accepted Jesus, that these things are just automatic, and they're not. These things require intentionality, and it's not that it's all on us. It's not that the weight is all on us. It's simply that we have a part to play. God requires action behind our faith, connected to our faith. And we have a part to play. And, and God's not expecting us to do anything unreasonable. Uh, you know, he told uh, his disciples, could you not watch with me for one hour? <laughs> well, he, he didn't expect them to stay up all night with him. He said, could you just not watch with me for one hour? And God doesn't ask us to do things that are unreasonable, but we do have a part to play. And he went on to say that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Now, why would we need to put away lying from us? Because if we don't put it away, then there is a tendency of the flesh to fall into it. And this this phrase, putting away, it, it's, it's a very similar phrase that is used in connection to divorce. Putting away, a man putting away his wife. And so this is a strong term, to put something away from us. And it comes up again in this passage, putting something away. Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. He goes on to say this, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now I want to emphasize this to you. He said, don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. So this is something that you are not allowing 
to happen. This is not something that will happen automatically. Listen, if you are not intentional about it, the sun will rise and fall (laughs) upon your wrath. But he said you've got to be intentional about not allowing the sun to go down on your wrath. That means you're not laying awake at night, brewing and stewing with anger over what they did and what they said. What do you have to do? You have to not allow that to happen. And he goes on to say, neither give place to the devil. In other words, don't give him access. Don't open the door to the devil by doing this. So in the New Testament, written to New Testament believers, are we told that we can do things that could give access to the enemy? Yeah. Now, it's not that we're supposed to live in paranoia and fear of the devil and trying to cross every T and dot every I and just living in fear that if I don't say my confession perfect every morning, then the devil's going to get make me get in a car wreck or something like that. No, we're not supposed to live in fear of the devil. We're supposed to live in fear of the Lord. I'm going to say that again. We're not supposed to live in fear of the devil. We're supposed to live with fear of the Lord. And that's a different kind of fear. It's, it has more to do with a reverence. And, and we'll see it here in just a minute. It goes on to say, let him that stole steal no more. Again, it's saying don't allow this to happen. We'll see this come over, come up over and over again in this passage. Let not. Let not. Don't allow. Don't let it. Don't, don't allow this to happen. Don't allow that to happen. What is this thing? Don't give access to this. And it is all surrounding not giving place to the devil. So everything that you are not allowing to happen is at the same time not giving access to the enemy. But he says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor with his hands, working with his hands, that which is good that he may give to those who need. A let not any corrupt communication, or it says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Don't allow any corrupt communication to proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Now, uh, Jesus talked about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what would a big part of not allowing corrupt communication to proceed out of your heart be? Well, a big part of it would be what you allow in your heart in the first place. Because if you don't allow it in your heart, then the abundance of the heart won't overflow into corrupt communication. You understand? But you see that you have to not allow it. And here's the the big part I want to mention to you. He said, and grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. See, this is what we're supposed to live in. This is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a desire to not grieve him. The fear of the Lord is a desire to not grieve your conscience. It's wanting to honor him, please him. And when you live with that, then you won't give access to the enemy. Now, living in paranoia about demons and the devil and what they can do, no, that's not right. Uh, We're not supposed to live in fear of him. We're supposed to live in reverence of God and not grieving the Holy Spirit, this desire to not grieve the Holy Spirit. And that is how you will ensure that you don't open the door to the enemy in your life, is by living with a constant awareness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and a reverence for the Lord. He goes on to say, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, that has to do with loud accusation against a person. And all malice be put away from you, uses the same word, be put away from you. Again, this is a word that can describe divorce or disowning. Put it away from you and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. So this whole passage is talking about not giving access to things, not allowing certain things to happen, not allowing things to come out of your mouth, not allowing things to rule you, 
not allowing anger to rule you, not allowing bitterness to rule you, not allowing evil speaking to rule you, not allowing lying to rule you. What is this? This is shutting the door. And as a result, you're shutting the door to the enemy. It's not giving access to the enemy. So I want to look at some more let not scriptures in the Bible, some more let not verses and how they connect to shutting the doors to the enemy in our life. Because, you know, if you leave the oven open while you're cooking, things will never get cooked. You understand? And if you've got a window open in the middle of winter, it doesn't matter how much you turn up the heat, it's still going to be cold. You got you got to shut the doors to the wrong things as much as you need to give access to the right things. And so let me look at a few scriptures here, and we'll just try to go through these relatively efficiently. Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others as better than themselves. So let me ask you this, how would you shut the door to strife? First of all, is strife a problem? Absolutely. It's one of the biggest open doors to the evil one in our lives, is yielding to and giving place to strife in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, in our churches, in our jobs. It will open the door to the enemy, and you can sense it too. You can sense when the enemy walks in, so to speak, through strife, through the door that is strife. You know, strife is like being in a warm, cozy cabin with a fire going and hot chocolate and everything being nice in the middle of winter. And then all of a sudden, the door blowing open and cold air, and snow, and all this stuff flying in. That's what strife is like. And you can feel it. When strife begins to manifest in a home, it's like the door just blew open, and here comes all the cold air, and the warmth, and the peace, and the safety starts going out. You know what I'm talking about? Well, how do you shut the door to strife? Listen, as long as the door is open, it's going to keep getting colder and colder and colder. So what do you have to do? You got to shut the door and let it warm up again. <laughs> you understand? Well, how do you do that? Well, this passage tells us lowliness of mind and esteeming others is better than yourself. How do you shut the door to strife? Through humility and selflessness. Putting your flesh under and humbling yourself. Humility. Let me say it to you this way. An act of humility will shut the door to strife. Because it takes two people to engage in strife, and it also takes pride and hardness and a refusal to bend, a refusal to admit when you're wrong. That will perpetuate strife, and it will keep the door open to strife. And strife is itself an open door to the enemy. And, and, you know, not all strife is reality TV show feuding. You know what I mean by that? Not all strife is people pulling each other's hair out on Black Friday. You know, that's the extreme of strife. That's where strife can lead to if it's not put in check. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you see on social media these reels and these clips of people just getting in fights at stores. And it's like, man, this is crazy. Or people getting in fights in traffic. It, that's the extreme of strife. But we have to understand that most people, especially Christians, you know, would not allow things to get that far. You know, at least if, if they're endeavoring to walk with the Lord, if they're endeavoring to do things right, most people don't let things get that far, right? But strife can be subtle. And strife, you know, it can start out as mild arguing. It can start out as mild theological arguing, but you can feel it though. You can feel the cold air blowing through. You understand when it starts to manifest. And some people feel the need 
to correct everybody's theology, and they will not rest until they have fully reprimanded somebody's theology. But what's more important, having that person have perfect theology about an area, which we want to be accurate, and there's a loving and and respectful way to discuss things, but would you rather that or them know that you love them? Know that, that you care about them? And again, there's a right way to talk about things and to address things. But what's more important, you proving somebody wrong or you letting them know you love them, being kind to them, tender hearted? And some people say, oh, I'm not getting into strife. You know, we, we, you know, I'm just you know, I'm just correcting this thing. I'm just doing that. OK, but if if there's no love in it. Then you can feel the cold air blowing through, you understand? You always got to keep one hand on love when you're when you're talking to somebody or, or trying to correct somebody. The Bible talks about in Timothy in meekness, instructing those who oppose themselves that God perhaps would give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. It talks about how uh, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all, able to teach. What does that mean? Don't strive means don't get into strife. But strife is not always yelling and screaming and cussing. It can be mild arguing. And you can feel the cold air blowing through. How do you know that there's an open door? The cold air is blowing in. You understand? And it also has to do with pushing selfish motives. Pushing your way. Pushing your opinion. Pushing what you want or what you think rather than surrendering to what someone else wants or needs. Now, that doesn't mean you're supposed to compromise or do something wrong or or agree with something that's wrong. But a lot of things are just our flesh and what our flesh wants or what our flesh you know, needs or what our flesh prefers. And, you know, we have to be led by the Spirit. And we don't have to get in strife in order to uh, disagree with somebody. You know, you can be, you can disagree without being disagreeable. And you shouldn't allow just anybody to do whatever they want to do in your home or your church. We'll talk about that in this podcast. It's actually part of what we're talking about. Not talking about just letting people do whatever they want to do, but but not always pushing your way, not always pushing your preferences. You know, a lot of strife is the result of allowing personal preferences to create arguments. <laughs> it's not about what's right or what's godly. It's about what, what I want, what I prefer, personal preferences. And that can give access to strife in our home. That can give access to the cold air, so to speak. And we, we need to understand that strife is an open door. Because he said, let nothing be done through it. What does that imply? It's an open door. He said, don't let anything... Let me say it to you this way. If you have to walk through the door of strife in order to get what you want, something's wrong. I'll say it again. If you have to walk through the door of strife in order to get what you want, we should never use that door to try and get what we want. We should never walk through that door. Why? Because it gives the enemy access in our lives. It's a two-way door. If we walk through the door of strife to get what we want, then we just open the door to the enemy to come in. And then he also talks about vainglory. What is vainglory? Well, we're actually going to talk about that in more detail soon. I have some things on my heart about talking about vainglory, and I've been studying up on that. But to sum it up, vainglory has to do with wrong motives and a wrong purpose. Just vanity. You know, could a wrong motive be an open door to the enemy? Uh, He said don't do anything through that, so it must be a door. So personal vanity can give the enemy access into families, into ministries, into anything. Personal vanity, prizing that over things that really matter. So how do we shut the door on personal vanity? Well, the same thing, humility, 
and selflessness, esteeming others as better than ourselves, which is the opposite of the nature of the flesh. It's the opposite of the nature of the flesh to to say, you're you're better than me at that. (laughs) You know, the flesh wants to prove that it's better. You know, that's the nature of the flesh. But humility will acknowledge, no, you're better than me at that. (laughs) And that's okay. You, you, you've got your part. I've got my part, you know, but honesty gets rid of vanity. Oh, I've never said it quite that way. That's really good. I've, I've never said it just that way. Honesty is the remedy for vanity. I'll say it one more time. Honesty is the remedy for vanity. Honesty will shut the door to vanity. And when you're honest with yourself, when you're honest with other people, it just gets rid of this competition mentality and this desire to prove yourself all the time. And you got to watch about when you're always fantasizing about one-upping people. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Now, I understand that there are people who, who play sports and do things like that, and there's healthy forms of competition, you know, um, and, and that are fun. But at the end of the day, if you're lying awake at night, fantasizing about one-upping people in whatever scenario, you got to watch out about that. What's the motive behind that? Is that vanity or is it honesty? Because a lot of times, if you'll be honest, the only place you're one-upping people is in the fantasy realm. <laughs> Well, I better move on. In Job 15.31, he said this, Let not him that is deceived trust in vanity, for vanity shall be his recompense. Another translation says, Vanity shall be his reward. Let Let me say it to you this way. If you use the door of vanity, vanity is what you'll get in return. It's what you will give access to. One translation says your return, or it says your reward, rather, will be a life of emptiness. Oh, man. Your reward will be a life of emptiness. There are a lot of people who are living for vanity, and as a result, they are empty inside. They are living for the praises of men, and as a result, they are empty on the inside. That's the reward of a life that is lived after vanity, personal vanity. In Romans 14.3, let me mention this to you. I'm going to move through these pretty quickly. It says, Let not him that eats despise him that eats not. And it says, Let not him which eats not judge him that eats, for God has received him. Can judging other people be an open door in your life? The Bible talks about with the merciful, God will show himself merciful. And it talks about how he who has shown no mercy will receive no mercy. And when you show mercy to other people, you open the door to mercy. When you judge, and condemn, you open the door to that in your life. And so he said, don't allow yourself to despise somebody. And he said, especially if God has received him. Now, there's a difference between not despising someone and despising sin. You know, you can despise someone's sin and not despise them. It doesn't mean you're condemning them. And we have to understand that because, let me me, me put it to you this way. You can love a person, but if they have a cancerous growth on their arm, do you love that? Well, it's a part of them, isn't it? Yeah, but it shouldn't be. So I can love the person, and it's actually because I love the person that I despise the cancerous growth, even though it's become a part of them. You understand? Well, that's how we're supposed to treat sin. I can love a person and despise the sin. And it's because I love the person that I see that sin 
as a cancerous growth in the spirit that has tried to become a part of their life. And if I love them, I'm not going to be okay with that. Now, it doesn't mean I always have to bring it up. (laughs) It doesn't mean I always have to point it out every time I see them. It doesn't mean I have to make a big deal about them. But I don't, I don't embrace that. I despise that because I love them. And you know, this is really the heart of the podcast. No contempt. This is where it came from is not having contempt for people. But you know, we should live lives that are equal with no contempt and no compromise. Shutting the door to contempt does not mean opening the door to compromise. Are you listening? Shutting the door to contempt does not equal opening the door to compromise. We're not supposed to have contempt for other people. We're not supposed to have contempt for other men. We're also not supposed to have compromise. You know, if God accepts someone, who am I to reject them and despise them? And who does God accept? He accepts those who repent and come to him. He said the sick need a physician. The people with the cancerous growths need a physician. You understand? And if you had to stop being sick in order to come to the doctor, why is there even a doctor? You understand? So we're not supposed to despise people. But it doesn't mean we have to compromise. And if we shut the door on people who God wants us to minister to through despising them and judging them, we can actually open a door to the enemy in our life. Not because we embraced the, the, the sin, but because we ministered to the person in spite of it. You understand? This is something that we're not supposed to allow, is despising and judging other people. In Mark ten nine, it says this, What God therefore has joined together, let not man separate. Now, we're looking at let not scriptures. Why? Because let not scriptures have to do with what we give access to and don't give access to. So anytime you see a scripture that says, let not this, let not that, what it's saying is don't give access to it and don't give access to the enemy through it. You understand? But he said, let not man separate what God has joined. Let me just mention this to you. I won't spend a lot of time on this point. But offense toward those that God has joined us to creates space for the enemy to come in. I'll say that again. Offense toward those that God has joined us to creates space and room for the enemy to gain access. So how are you going to close the door, shut the door to the access that the enemy has gained through offense with those God has joined you to, you got to close the distance. Are you listening? You've got to reach out. You've got to do what you can to restore that. You've got to show kindness and forgiveness and an act of love toward that person will shut the door to the enemy in that area. Now, in some cases, it may be one-sided. The Bible talks about be at peace with people as long as it depends on you. And that does not mean that if there's unhealthy things there, that you're supposed to allow them to, you know, have a bunch of place in your life, so to speak. But you also don't want to allow offense to have a place. Some things happen, people go off the rails and do stuff, and you can't control that. And if it's it's something that's really bad, you can't always be around that or a part of that, but you can refuse to allow offense in your heart, and you can show love in some way or another, whether it's praying for that person, reaching out to that person, but an act of love will shut up the space, will close the distance and the space through which the enemy has gained access. And it may be one-sided at first. It may be one-sided continually, but if you'll do that, you'll close the door to the enemy in your life. You won't have any space for him to slip in through offense. These things are open doors that we have to shut in our life. And the reason why I'm going through all these, some of these may register with you. Some of these may not register with you as much. They all register 
to us in some level, because we've all experienced these things to some degree, but there may be certain ones of these that will stand out to you more than others. And if you hear one of these scriptures that really stands out to you or really kind of strikes a chord with you, or it's like, oh, wow, yeah, that, that kind of hits home for me, that's the thing you want to spend some time on. That's the thing you want to go get your Bible and find this scripture and spend some time on it because the Lord's just bringing it up. I'm just mentioning a lot of things that the Lord's put on my heart that the scripture says are open doors that need to be closed to the enemy. And if one particular thing really stands out to you, that's the thing you want to take to the Lord and meditate on that scripture and say, okay, you know, I need to look at this more. And and you take it to the Lord and let him show you the specifics of, of what to do about it. But I'm just presenting these to you. You know, I'm just putting it out on the table for you to, for your perusal. You understand? Proverbs 23, 17 says, Do not allow or don't let your heart envy sinners, but be in the fear of the Lord all day long. And we talked about that in the beginning, being in the fear of the Lord. But he said, don't let your heart envy sinners. There are a lot of things that we must not allow our heart to do. We'll talk about another thing here right after this that we must not allow our heart to do. But one thing we have to not allow our heart to do is envy. Envy. Envy is an open door. And, you know, envy will knock on the door. Sometimes it'll even bang on the door. (laughs) But that doesn't mean you have to let it in. You do not have to let envy in your heart. Look at this in James 3.16. It says, For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Well, we already talked about strife some, but you know, if you open the door to envy, confusion and every evil work will come in right behind it. it, it it's a train. You understand? It's, a, it's an entourage. <laughs> envy will be automatically followed by confusion and every evil work. Envy is never alone. And if you open the door, you are inviting confusion into your life. You're inviting evil works into your life through letting envy in. Now, like I said, envy will knock on the door. Doesn't mean you have to open. Envy will bang on the door. Doesn't mean you have to open. But if you allow it to come in, if you allow it to to stew in you, then you're allowing confusion into your life. So according to the scriptures, if there's a lot of confusion in your life, if you're dealing with a lot of confusion, a lot of back and forth, this isn't always the case, but it is definitely worth taking a look at. You need to find out, have I let envy in or have I let strife in? Because he said, where envy and strife is, there's confusion. So if there's a lot of confusion in your life. How did this get in here? Who let this in? Who did it come with? You know, it kind of reminds me how when Captain America, the first one, the first Avenger, how uh, the Hydra agent came in with the senator, but he didn't know it. And remember Tommy Lee Jones is like, why don't you start with explaining to me how a Hydra agent got a ride to our secret facility in your car? You know, (laughs) well, that's a picture of what we're talking about. Something came with it. Something snuck in with it. And, And sometimes we think we can allow one thing in and keep another thing out. But the truth is they're saddle partners. You know what I mean by that? They're always together. If you if you open a door to one thing, you'll open a door to another thing. If you allow one thing in, something else will come in with it. And so if there's a lot of confusion in your life. Two main areas you want to look at is, have I allowed envy in my life or have I allowed strife in my life? And if I'll shut the door to those two things, confusion will leave. The Bible talks about how God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches. Well, you know, envy can even get into spiritual quote-unquote things or supposedly spiritual things. And strife can get into the theological debates and things of that nature. I mentioned that earlier. So we always want to be checking the motive of things. And God is not the author of confusion. John 14, 27 says, don't let your heart be troubled. 
neither let it be afraid. I'm moving too fast. Let me, let me say something else about that confusion thing. If you allow God in, peace comes with him. So when there's a lot of confusion, that's an evidence that God doesn't have all the access that he should have. If there's a lot of confusion, that means we need to shut the door to one thing and open the door to God. We need to open the door to the Lord because he brings peace. That's what that's I'm done now. I, I just wanted to complete that point. John 14, 27 says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, one of the greatest open doors to the enemy in our life is fear and anxiety. And something I want to specifically mention about this, you know, we've heard this said that what you fear will come on you. In fact, Job said, I feared a fear and it has come upon me. It has come onto me. What I dreaded happened to me. And there is absolutely a truth in that what you fear can manifest in your life. Absolutely. There's a spiritual law there, and there's some truth. We could spend some time on that. But what I, what I want to specifically emphasize in this is another side of that and seeing that a little bit different way. And this is one of the ways I've experienced this in the past, and you've probably experienced it too. And it's probably a more frequent way that a lot of people experience this truth that what you fear will come upon you. What you fear will come upon you, watch this, whether it comes to pass or not. I'm going to say that again. What you fear will come upon you, whether it comes to pass or not. When you open the door to fear, it will come on you. It will come upon you. It's not only true in the sense that it could manifest one day. There's a truth in that. But you got to be careful too because a lot of people will become afraid of being afraid. <laughs> and say, oh, I got to stop being afraid. I got to stop being afraid because it's going to happen. You're still being afraid. So if you're still afraid and the door's still open, no, you got to get rid of the fear. The Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Which means if I get a revelation of God's love for me, it will quiet those fears down so I'm not being tormented by it. You understand? That's how you know the, the door to fear has been shut. But I think something, and again, I'm not discounting the other truth. There's a truth in that. But we don't want to get into fear about that either, though, because then fear still has access. Here's something that we have to understand. Even if it never happens in the natural, which it can, even if it never happens in the natural, it will have happened in your mind and heart a hundred times. Oh, And the pain and the torment of it has access to you. Are you listening? I'm not discounting the other, you understand. But this is, this is a real truth that we need to take a look at. When you open the door to fear and anxiety in your life, even if it never manifests in the natural or doesn't manifest in the natural for 20 years, it will have already happened to you a hundred times in your mind or, or in your heart. And the torment of it has already gained access to you as if it happened. Are you listening? People live in fear of their loved ones dying or, or themselves dying. And they're tormented by that fear. And even if it never happens quite the way that they were afraid of it happening in their lifetime, which eventually it'll happen because we'll all die if the Lord tarries his coming, but they will have allowed that to come upon them for decades and to rob them of the abundant life that God wants them to have. When you open the door to fear, you give access to it to hop on your back and pull out your hair, to torment you, to plague you. And I'll say this to you, one tragic event accompanied by the peace and comfort of the Holy Spirit is not nearly as bad and as robbing as a lifetime of torment in your mind over things that may never happen Ugh. or not happen for a long, long time or not even happen that way. And, and when things do happen, you say, oh, there it is. That's what I was afraid of. But it's all about perspective. 
like I said, in this life, some things happen. There are things that happen, but one tragic event, one unfortunate event accompanied by the peace and comfort of the Holy Spirit isn't nearly as bad and as robbing as a lifetime of torment in your mind over things that may never happen. Are you listening? What you fear will come upon you and torment you. What do you need to do? You need to receive the perfect love of God that casts out fear and shut the door on that fear. You need to resist the fear. You need to stand up and say, I'm not giving access to that fear. Fear, get out of here. Get away from me. I'm not letting you in. I'm not letting you torment me. I'm not letting you rob precious days from me. We have to shut the door to fear in our life and shut the door to the enemy through it. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, Let no one seek only his own good, but also that of the other person. We need to shut the door on a life of self-seeking and self-focus. Now, like I said, I'm mentioning one thing after another. If any of these things stand out to you, then spend some time on them. Spend some time meditating on them. Uh, look at this one in Titus 2.15. I'm trying not to take up too much time. We're, we're already getting pretty close to the end here. In Titus 2.15, it says, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. In another place, he said, Don't let anybody despise your youth. Well, what is that talking about? Is it talking about going up and slapping somebody and saying, I ain't going to let you talk to me that way? No, <laughs> that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about not letting somebody else's contempt get in your heart. He's talking about not letting what somebody else thinks about you or what God has given you get inside of you. Are you listening? Don't let it in. Don't let that despising get in you. Uh, not allowing somebody else's contempt and despising access into your life and heart and causing you to despise what God has given you. Don't give access to that. Don't give access to somebody else's despising, somebody else's lack of value. You don't have to be offended with them over it, but don't allow that in. Don't allow that to cause you to bury your talent. You understand? Many people have stopped doing things that God has called and graced them to do because somebody despised it. Somebody made fun of it. Somebody treated it lightly. And maybe it wasn't very grand or nice after the flesh and somebody belittled it, maybe even unknowingly. And not only uh, can that try to create offense in your heart toward that person, but it can try to get you to despise what God gave you. And we have to not allow that to happen. We have to not let that in. In 1 Corinthians 3.21, it says, Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. In the Amplified Bible, it says, Let no man boast in men about their wisdom or having this or that one as a leader, for all things are yours. Another door that we need to close is open through making too much out of a man, and that can be an open door to offense and disappointment when you realize they're just as human as you are. <laughs> making too much out of men. And we are supposed to honor the call and anointing on people, but we don't boast in men. That can be an open door to offense and disillusionment when you realize that they're people and that they've got flesh too. You understand? We want, we want to not open the door to that through making too much out of people. Uh, I'm just going through these kind of quickly. In Ephesians 5 verse 6, it says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. And in uh, 1 Corinthians 3.18, it says, Let no man deceive himself. So we see something that we're supposed to shut the door to is deception, both by other people and by ourselves, deceiving ourselves. We're not supposed to let men deceive us, and we're not supposed to allow ourselves to be self-deceived. Well, how do you shut the door to deception? You shut the door to deception by abiding in the truth. And this is twofold. Number one, always feeding on the truth so that you recognize lies and always telling the truth. Putting away lying. That's what we talked about in the beginning of the podcast. Listening to lies and telling lies opens the door to the father of lies. 
Let me say it like this. Lies are like flies. <laughs> lies are like flies. Have you ever accidentally let a fly into your car? Was it easy to get that fly out of your car once you let it in? Well, that's what telling lies is like. Telling lies is like letting flies in your home. You got to shut the door to deception, both from other people and through you. And, and when you lie to other people, you are opening the door to lie to yourself, to be self-deceived. Because you can begin to believe the lies that you tell. And lies blind other people. They also blind you the more you use them. We're supposed to put away lying and shut the door to lying. Let, let, let me just mention this to you here in the end. I'm just about done. Genesis 19, 4 through 11. We're almost done. It says, But before they laid down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, surrounded the house, both young and old, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into you this night? Bring them out to us that we may know them. And they didn't want to just get to know them over a cup of coffee, you understand. And it said, Lot, watch this, went out at the door unto them and shut the door behind him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. What did Lot do? He opened the door. Mistake number one. He opened the door and went out and tried to reason with them and tried to bargain with them. And you can't do that with sin. Listen, he opened the door and tried to reason and bargain with sin, and that doesn't work. That doesn't work. He said, Behold, I have two daughters, and he tried to use them as a bargaining chip, which is awful. And they said, Stand back. This fellow came in to be a part of us, and now he's judging us. We're going to deal worse with you than we will with them. And the Bible says they pressed sore upon the man and came near to break the door. You know, if you crack the door to sin, sin will break down the door. Are you listening? If you crack open the door to try and just reason and, and just bargain with sin, sin will end up busting down your door and coming in. Didn't mean for that to rhyme. I'm glad it did. It says, but the men, the angels, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house. And watch this. They shut the door. They did what? They shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great. And they wearied themselves to find the door. The angels shut the door. You know, many people think they can open the door to sin and try to just reason with it, try to bargain with it, try to find some common ground with it. But what do you have to do with sin? you got to shut the door. You don't even open the door to it. You don't even crack the door to see who it is. If you hear it outside knocking on the door, you keep the door locked. You don't even open the door. Why? Because it'll try to break down the door if you even crack the door. If you even undo the chain, it's going to try to bust down the door. We're supposed to keep the door shut to sin. And in some cases, this is true of people that are completely yielded to some of these spirits. You have to guard what you let in your home. You're not supposed to just open the door to your home to anyone or anything. And, and it's different if somebody's struggling with something or struggling to overcome something and you're ministering to them. But you got to be careful about pride in these areas. You know, uh, there's kind of a push to de-emphasize the danger of sin. And that's really not good. Because the Bible tells us very clearly that he who thinks he stands needs to take heed lest he fall. Now, we're not supposed to live in fear and paranoia of sin and falling, but we do need to live with sobriety and realizing how dangerous sin can be and how quickly People can fall into it if they're not careful. Now, if you do fall into it, thank God there's provision and there's grace. If you'll repent and make it right, the Lord will restore you and forgive you and he'll restore other people and forgive them too. But we have to recognize the danger of it. We don't want to play games with it. We don't want to crack the door to it and try to bargain with it, try to play games with it, try to reason with it. Not when sin comes knocking at your door, 
Don't even open the door. <laughs> don't even talk to it. Don't don't even try to reason with it. And just find out more. Let's just find out a little bit more about it. No, you don't need to know any more about it. You know all you need to know to keep the door shut and locked. Amen. In the final moments of this podcast, I just want to speak to anybody who may have not received the gift of salvation and may not have received Jesus into their heart and into their life. Let me read this to you in Genesis 7, 15 through 16. I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible. It's talking about Noah, and it says, They all went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there were the breath and spirit of life. And they entered, male and female of all flesh, and they went in as God commanded. And the Lord shut Noah in and closed the door round about him. God shut the door to the ark, which means nobody could go out, nobody could come in. And then the flood started. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. Right now, there is an open door of salvation. And it's available to everybody who will walk through it. But friend, there is coming a time when that door will be shut. And that can be because of leaving this life, can be because of the time in in history, not history, I guess in the future, that that will happen. But you don't want to wait to walk through the door is my point to you. You don't want to wait to walk through the open door. Don't wait until it's too late. And I'm not trying to just scare you into being saved, but you really need to understand the, the sober truth of what it means to be lost. You don't want to be lost. You don't want to wait until the door's shut. There's an open door to green pastures, and I'm inviting you to walk through it right now if you've never done that. Let me read this to you in Luke 13, 23. Somebody asked Jesus, and they said, Are there only few that will be saved? And Jesus said, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Well, what is the straight gate? Jesus is the straight gate. John 10 tells us that Jesus is the door, and by him, if any man enters in, he will be saved. And he he uses this parable. He said, When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, And you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us. And he'll answer and say to you, I don't know where you you came from. I don't know who you are. Then you shall begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you have taught in our streets. But he'll say, I tell you, I know you not who you are. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourselves thrust out. And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, these there are last which shall be first, excuse me, and there are first which shall be last. One thing we have to understand is God cannot allow sin into heaven. And only those who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb will enter in. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter in. And it doesn't happen from sitting in church. It doesn't happen from going to small group or life group or small life group. It doesn't happen from going on mission trips and making videos with starving children. It happens by going through the straight gate that is Jesus into the pastures of salvation. Those that enter in by the straight gate, they are the ones that will enter in. And there is a coming a day when that door will be shut. What am I saying to you? Enter in now. Come into the pasture of salvation now. Now is the acceptable time. And I want to invite you to do that if you've never done that. Just with your heart, cry out to him and say, Lord, I want you in my life. I want to come through this door. I believe in you. I believe in your son. And if you'll do that from your heart, with all of your heart, then the Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hey, I hope you got something good out of this podcast today. I'm believing for uh, the word to, to take root in your heart and for the Holy Spirit to highlight which parts of these podcasts may, may be for you specifically. 
And I'd encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit, God, what are you saying to me through this podcast? Is there anything in particular that you would highlight to me that you want me to take away from this podcast? And he's faithful to do that. Hey, I appreciate you uh, listening today, and I will talk to you the next time you click play. Thanks again for listening to the No Content Podcast. Remember that Jesus loves you, he loves everyone else, and please don't forget to feed the ducks. Ah.